The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Main Street Vegan, a lively hour with host Victoria Moran, best-selling author and the OG of vegan living for over 40 years. She and her guests have got the goods to help you look and feel amazing, make a difference for animals, and discover the soulful side of the vegan journey. Now, here's Victoria. Sometimes you talk to people, sometimes you talk to royalty. Well, today I'm going to be talking to a member of the plant-based royal family, and he's going to tell us some things I'll bet we all need to know. Uh-huh. Victoria, <laughs> you you are royalty. You are uh, royalty. Bless your heart. Well, from one royal to another then, and with all of our royal listeners listening in, welcome to the Main Street Vegan Podcast. I am Victoria Moran, and I'll bet some of you recognize the voice of my guest, Rip Esselstyn, and he is the heart and soul of the Plant Strong universe. He's got Plant Strong foods. He's doing virtual events. He's doing real three-dimensional events, and you know him as the author of a whole bunch of books, The Ancient Two Diet, The Ancient Two Cookbook, and The uh, Plant Strong Full Recipes. I mean, he is all over the place doing all kinds of things, and we're so lucky to have him today. Welcome to the show, Rip. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, in listening to you rattle off some of that stuff, it just reminds me of um, how long that I have now been really just kind of swinging away, grinding away with trying to do everything I can to be a crusader and an advancement for the advancement of all things really regarding a whole food plant-based diet lifestyle, um, just, you know, way of, of, um, of leaning into this, this life, um, because it makes everything so much better, but you're right. I mean, (laughs) between the food line and the events and the podcast and everything else, I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been at this for almost now a good, really 2008. Well, I wrote the first book in 2000 and in nine is when it came out, but I started writing it in earnest in 2007. It took me two and a half years to write it, you know, because I did a pilot study with 72 people and did before and after biometric screenings and all that jazz because I wanted to show not only the world, but also myself, the the efficacy of uh, and what can happen in just a short period of time of eating this way. And then, you know, that that led to that one book is basically what led to this crazy career that I've had now with this. And 
you know, I was a firefighter just minding my own business. And then, you know, I was just trying to help a fellow firefighting brother and then got, got solicited by all these literary agents and publishing houses to write a book about all the escapades we were having at fire station two. And, and then uh, obviously that led to John Mackey, the CEO of whole food market stores, uh, basically knocking on my door saying, Hey, you know what, come let's, let's play together for a decade. And, uh, and try and um, spread this message of, of health and, and, and happiness. And so I was like, okay, that sounds great. Uh, and then that came to a close in 2020. And now I'm literally out on my own uh, doing all kinds of, you know, fun stuff. Uh, and anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there because <laughs> I know I just went on without you asking me a question. <laughs> no, that's better. I love it when people talk about what they're excited about. And I, you reminded me of the book party for Engine 2 Diet back in 2009 at uh, your co-author Gene Stone's apartment here in New York City at that time. I think that was the first time we met. And there was just an excitement there. You can always tell when something is new, because I go to a lot of book events, my yeah. my life is books and, you know, the vegan thing and the food thing and all that. A lot of books, though. And you can always tell when there's that little sort of undercurrent of, ooh, this well, one's going to do something. And yeah. I mean, that was really there that night. Yeah. Well, let me uh, let me just grab this. So it's interesting because, you know, we we went round and round forever trying to figure out what the book cover was going to be. And uh, this is where we landed, right? And just that kind of iconic fire firefighter fonts, you know, the big the big two. And um, you know, my my literary agent was Richard Pine with Inkwell Management. And you know, I was fortunate enough to back then it was such a novelty having a <clears throat> a firefighter, you know, do this in the land of beef in two thousand and uh, two thousand and. In nine, so when I write the wrote the book, obviously it uh, it attracted the attention of the major networks, and so that morning of that party, I was on the Today Show, and I was I can remember Victoria, I was so insanely nervous, and when I get nervous, I kind of get the shivers, I get cold, and I can remember being in the green room, and I my brother was there with me, and I asked him for his jacket, and I just was sweating profusely, and. I, I was planning on wearing a nice tight t-shirt, you know, cause I was really buff back then, but I was too cold. And so I was wearing this long sleeve firefighter shirt and uh, it, it, it went fine. But I remember it was a six and a half minute segment. And I kid you not, it was one of the most surrealistic experiences I've ever had. It felt like 30 seconds. And I was there for six and a half minutes. And we were at that party and, you know, one of the ways you could gauge back then, and it's probably still somewhat apropos today, how well the book was going to do is where was it on Amazon? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, between Richard Pine and Gene and myself, we're just looking, you know, re refreshing that Amazon. <laughs> and during that party, we saw it go from like, you know, 30,000 all the way down to number seven on Amazon of all books. Wow. Right. Not just vegan books or, you know, cookbooks. We're yeah. talking all books. Right. And, and I was so new to it all. And that, But that was that was a thrill. That was a well, thrill being, being there with all these people that were, you know, wishing, wishing me and Gene and Richard and 
and just the success of the book and the, the and the continued kind of excitement um, of of new blood in this movement. And now that I'm kind of more of an old guard, I realize and I applaud and I'm so appreciative when you get people like Dr. Will Bolshewitz and the Shurzais and Carly Bodrug, right? Um, and the list goes on and on and on. But all these people that are have wonderful personalities and they have a whole nother angle to get people into this lifestyle. Yeah, it's it's exciting because it just keeps being re-nourished by yeah. new people who discover it. And this month, this November 2023, is my 40th veganiversary. Wow. And it's at the time, it seemed like a very sensible thing to do, and it didn't seem unusual or or terribly odd, but it was extremely odd. And it's still a little bit odd some places, but people have some kind of understanding of what we're about and what we're trying to do. But I wanted to ask you specifically, when you talked earlier about you know showing up every day and doing this and doing all the things you do, why just one reason? Why do you do it? Well, this is going to sound very cliche, but it really is to do everything in my power to make a difference, not only in individual lives, but also, you know, at a, at a very large level. Uh, so, and then I'll zoom in on that a little bit, you know, every day, Victoria, I get some sort of an email from somebody saying how you changed my life, right? Uh, you saved my life. And, you know, my third book, it was called the engine Two seven day rescue diet. And it's because I wanted people to, to realize and, and know that you can rescue yourself. You don't need a doctor. You don't need your parents or your sister or your best friend. It's up to you. And once you, once you are willing to take on that burden that you and you alone are responsible for your health, then you truly can rescue rescue yourself from whatever um, health maladies ail you. So that is just, you know, that's, that is, that feeds me and nourishes me very, very much. But then, as you know, Victoria, with what's been happening here with, I mean, climate change, I, w I went to an event at James Cameron's house in Santa Barbara in 2013 to talk about how We've got to do something. What do we do? How do we you know, get the attention of these countries? Because if we don't act fast, we're basically going to be screwed in a matter of five years. Well, it's really hard for to scream, you know, the sky is falling and people don't want to listen until the, the sky is actually falling. And I think that's where we are right now. But that's another thing, obviously, is the more people that we can get to give up their meat and their dairy, I think obviously the the better chance we we have it immediately uh, starting to quelch the uh, you know the, the the global greenhouse gases that are being emitted from animal agriculture that are, you know, what? It depends upon who you talk to. Have you ever had Celeste Rao on your show? Oh yes. Okay. So you know Celeste and his research is it's like 82% of global greenhouse gas emissions are caused by animal agriculture. So that's really crazy. And um, and then, you know, Victoria, now that I'm a father 
uh, uh, a parent of three young children. I have a nine-year-old, 14 and 16-year-old now. Um, I think I'm going to continue to say young because I don't want them to ever grow up. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it became very, very blatant uh, going to the grocery stores uh, and stuff that they don't, they, they did not understand why human beings ate fish, pigs, cows, sheep, ducks, all these things that, that we have read books to them about, you know, Charlotte's web and the, um, the big red barn and all these books where we almost like idolize and completely respect all these animals and we love on them. And then we turn around and, you know, we're eating them. So there's a, a, there's a, there's a bit of a, a a bit of a disparity Mm -hmm. there. So the compassion side of me was really awakened about 10 years ago uh, with this as well. So, you know, it's, it's, again, it's, it checks every box. And so um, it's just a better, a better world and to, and to do my part to make a difference. Yeah. It will be an amazing world when we get there. I mean, it's still an amazing world in a lot of ways. This issue, it's so interesting that there seems to be more resistance to it than almost anything else. And one of the phrases that uh, you used was give up in terms of climate change and that people have got to give up their meat and dairy. And I think that's what scares them to death. I think it means they have to give up everything that's fun, everything that has ever given them any pleasure and satisfaction, which makes me think maybe people just don't have enough pleasure and satisfaction. Because if if the only good thing in your life is meat and dairy, there's not much else going on. <laughs> no, that's that's a really, um, really powerful observation that you just just made there. But one of the things that I've discovered is that you never know who is going to um, embrace this and who's and who's not. You just you just can't ever an- anticipate it. So I always err on. I'm going to share this with as, as many people as I can, especially if they show some sort of an interest, and then we'll let the cards fall where they may. But uh, like I'll be in I'll be in a an Uber an Uber and they'll say where are you going and I'm like you know I'm I'm going to this uh, this conference uh, it's on whole food plant based nutrition uh, oh what's that and then I'll I'll let them know all about it I was I uh, you, have you ever heard of the holistic holiday at sea oh yeah uh, so I've I've been a guest speaker there three times and one of the times I only had a credit card I didn't have any cash with me and so I had to bum a ride from the airport to where the cruise ship was. It was like 10 miles. And I think I was on some little island. I can't remember the name of it. So uh, I just started asking people, hey, can you give me a ride to the cruise ship? And I finally ran into this older gentleman. And he said, sure, I'll give you a ride. But my only my only um, uh, requirement is that you have to tell me your story, right? So, wow. Well, literally, I got in. Uh, he had a driver. He ended up, he was the um he was the Roman Catholic priest on the island, something like that. And so I told him the whole story about okay, you know, this is why you don't want to do meat, dairy, eggs, cheese, yada yada yada. Literally, I I I I timed it perfectly, so it was really powerful. In 10 minutes, we got there, and he's like. Rip, he said, Father Rip, Father Rip, 
<laughs> let you know that that I have sinned. I've been a sinner my whole life and I didn't even know it. And I said, that's okay. All you need to do is do 10 uh, hail kales and you'll be okay, right? <laughs> my point being there is that you, you never know who you're going to run into. And so I always will give people the benefit of the doubt, especially if they ask. That's very true. And I think for a long time, we kind of thought that there was a type that would be open to this, a yeah. type in terms of where they lived, what they did, what their political ideology was and all that. And I think that has just been blown out of the water, certainly in the past 10 years. The people who want this, the people who see that way I was brought up as much as I love my mother was nuts. And this other way is going to keep me here longer and happier to do more good in however I see doing good. And it might not be like the person who told me about this. Yeah, bravo. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt about it. Uh, yeah, we really have to give up so many of those traditions that we grew up with and then just start new ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of traditions, because we happen to be coming up on Thanksgiving for people who are listening to this show when it airs or shortly after it airs, so tell us about an Esselstyn Thanksgiving. What are you guys going to do? Well, we're all going to descend upon Ann and Essie in Cleveland, Ohio, because it just happens to coincide with Essie's 90th birthday. Yes. That's wonderful. That's yeah. great. And so there's, I think, I think between Ann and Essie, Rip, Ted, Jane, and Zeb, so they're four children, and then all of our grandchildren or their grandchildren, our children, and then a few cousins, there's going to be 48 of us Woo! that are going to be showing up uh, at the knob, uh, which is a little, it's a little place that we have. It's the highest point in Northeast Ohio. And my great grandfather, the chief who founded the Cleveland Clinic, he bought this parcel of land uh, out in Chardon, uh, Ohio. It's about 25 miles uh, east of Cleveland, downtown Cleveland, right on kind of the shores of Lake Erie. But that's where we're going to show up. And everybody has to make a dish, but we will have, we'll have rice and beans. We will have salads. We will have, you know, stuffing. Um, we will have different pies. Uh, we'll have a big old soup. There'll be a Brian Hart, Jane's um, husband, makes a wonderful stuffing that he places into a pumpkin. Uh -huh. right? So it carves out the, the pumpkin, puts it in there. Uh, you know, and of course, we'll have the tofurkeys. We'll have a couple of the tofurkeys and all that, but mashed potatoes and, and a mommy's mushroom gravy. Uh, oh, I love her mushroom gravy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll have a cranberry salsa. And um, I mean, It'll be, it'll be crazy. It will be crazy. And and we'll take photos and we'll post it, uh, you know, on, on social media, because um, it is going to be uh, huge and delicious. Oh, that sounds great. And how wonderful about your dad's birthday. Very cool. There was one scene in one of the documentaries, and I don't remember which one of a family meal at, at your parents' home. And there was this giant, giant bowl of apples on the table. Yeah. And there was something about that bowl of apples that wasn't just beautiful because apples are really pretty, but it was almost a statement of 
Yeah, you can make a whole food plant-based apple pie, apple crisp, apple cobbler, and we could have done that. But instead, we are going to give you apples as they come from the tree. And for some reason, almost every time I see an apple, I think about that. It, it's just a very gutsy thing to say to the world, yes, you can just eat food. That's allowed. Yeah, very, very much so. Well, what you're referring to there is Forks Over Knives. Okay. It was the last scene of Forks Over Knives, when, the, and that was at the Knob. So that's where we're going to be having Thanksgiving. And it was around the Lazy Susan table. So it's a wonderful round table that's got the, you know, the little Lazy Susan there. You put the food on it and you spin it around. And hopefully you're going to wait your turn before somebody's trying to put something in there. Uh, and that's where, you know, you had Colin out, Colin there with his wife, Karen. And um, you had several of my father's patients. You had the, the Letterman's, Matt and Alona, uh, Joey Acoin. But yeah, that was a, that was an iconic scene. And it was literally, it was the last scene of Forks Over Knives. Well, memorable, obviously. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you eat on an ordinary day. Because I know on your Plant Strong website, plantstrong.com, one of the sections is what Rip eats in a day. Yeah, it's got a lot of views too. Uh, so Victoria, my breakfast is Monday through Saturday is almost virtually always the same. So it's just, it's an iteration of my cereal. Uh, you know, I started making it in 1987 when I went this way. And I like to say it's been the linchpin to my success, especially, you know, the foundation of my success when you can start your day with something that is plant strong, it's satiating, and it makes you feel fantastic. And I started out in 1987 by taking my four favorite cereals. So just, you know, old-fashioned oats, bite-sized shredded wheat, Uncle Sam's toasted wheat flakes, and then the Ezekiel 4-9 nuggets. And I would get cartons of each one of those and then put them into a big old, like, bucket. And then that would, you know, last me for, you know, two to three weeks. But that would be my foundation. Then I'd always put, I always put two or three, sometimes four pieces of fruit on top, ground flaxseed meal for my omega-3s, and then um, and then plant-based milk of choice. So that's my breakfast, right? All the time. I would say that my lunch is typically leftovers from dinner the night before. So whatever it is, if it was a casserole, if it was pizza, uh, if it was burgers, uh, if it was soup, I'll just take leftovers. And then I I typically will add it to green leafies, um, brown rice, potatoes, you name it. And then, uh, and then dinner, we, you know, we rotate through probably 10 different dinners uh, in our family. So we love having pizza night. We love having soup night. Uh, I've become a real fan of making these walnut meat tacos. You take walnuts, you throw them in a blender, but not for too long because you <clears throat> you want them to kind of look like, you know, excuse this, hamburger, you know, hamburger. Mm -hmm. And then you throw it in a saucepan, then you put in all your spices, your cayenne and your, there's like six or seven different spices. I'll bet there's like, some garlic and onion in there, there's, there's, I would imagine. There is, there's garlic, there's cumin, onion. Cumin maybe for tacos? Cumin, yeah, there's definitely cumin. And then I heat it up, add a, just a little bit of water and that's the walnut meat and it's, it's insane. And we just do those in tacos. We love doing a sweet potato 
kind of enchilada casserole that my wife is making now. That's a huge hit in the family. We really do a lot of tofu and tempeh in our house. Um, So whether it's stir fries, whether it is um, sandwiches, we do those uh, a lot. Yeah. So anyway, so, so that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. I mean, we also, uh, every night we try and have some sort of leafy green that we cook, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, curly kale, dinosaur kale, broccoli, cauliflower. I say cauliflower because it's, you know, considered a green leafy, even though it's white. And a lot of these, Victoria, are frozen. So the broccoli is typically frozen. The cauliflower is frozen. Usually the kale, we, we don't do frozen. Usually that's fresh. We always like to have, so rice and beans is always a staple at dinner. And when we just need something quick and easy, we don't really feel like cooking that much. We just, you know, we do canned black beans. We do frozen rice that we throw in the microwave. And then on top of that, you know, one of us will cut up a tomato, bell pepper, green onions, uh, avocado slices, get out the, you know, the Bragg's liquid aminos, uh, a little salsa and you're, you're set. And we can, we can make that as a team and, less than, you know, six, seven minutes. Yeah. It's so interesting to listen to you. It's so simple. It's so basic. Almost every food you mentioned is something that everybody in America has heard of and most people have eaten. And even though you can Google whole food plant-based recipes and you come up with, I don't know if it's a billion, a lot, but everybody I know who thrives in this way of eating and living other than the occasional, you know, party or something, we're not using the billion recipes. We're doing the rice and the beans and the greens, and they're really good. Really good. Really good. <laughs> I tell people, Victoria, that I could literally live on my breakfast cereal for breakfast. I could do a sweet potato bowl for lunch with some sort of a legume on top of that sweet potato and also some sort of a green leafy. So you have your my green leafy. I put a sweet potato on there and then let's just say lentils. And then for dinner, it's rice and beans extravaganza. And I, <laughs> I could do that and be live happily ever after. Yeah. Cause it's basic. Yeah. And yet it's so interesting. You know, when you're eating something that tastes good and it's got all those amazing spices in it and whatnot, it's a wonderful experience, whether it's the first time you've ever had it or, you know, you had it twice last week. And I would tell this to your listeners that are, that are new to this lifestyle, don't overcomplicate it. Just make it as simple as possible so you don't mess it up and you'll be fine. Have you ever had Adam Sud on your podcast, Victoria? No, who's that? Oh my gosh, you will. He's going to be your, your new best friend. Okay. His, his handle is plant-based addict. And okay. uh, he was, he got addicted to Adderall, a drug addict. And he went to rehab. He was in a bad, 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 bad way. Mm. Suicidal, just, you know, went from 150 to 340 pounds, became a fast food, you know, junkie. But he literally, he came to one of our, our seven day immersion programs back in 2010. So he knew that you could reverse most of these chronic Western diseases. And by 2012, when he was in rehab, he had a lot of them going on. He basically went to the the manager of the kitchen and said, this is what I want to eat for the next eight months. And it was just steel, like it was oatmeal for breakfast. It was sweet potatoes 
and berries for lunch. And it was like rice and beans for dinner. And he just put a line for eight months. And he said he lost a hundred pounds in eight months. Wow. Just by keeping it simple. So he wouldn't mess it up. And yeah. so keep it simple, right? You don't, it doesn't have to, don't overcomplicate it. And then during the day, I mean, I, I didn't add this Victoria, but during the day I am, I am chowing down on the fruit. You know, I do mangoes. I do bananas. I do grapes. Grapes are incredible right now. Um, plum season is, you know, we have plums, we have peaches. I probably have six bananas a day. Easy. So that is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So be before we leave food and, and take a little breather, I want to ask about your foods, the, the plant strong food line. Uh, what's in there? What makes them wonderful? Where do we get them? Well, thank you for asking about that because um, <laughs> I have put a lot of time and energy into that in, since 2020 when I launched uh, Plant Strong Foods. But, you know, I there's so many, in my opinion, there are so many different new plant-based items that are coming out that really aren't making a difference in people's lives. If anything, they're, they contain way too much salt, way too much fat, oils, way too much sugar, and it's not making anybody healthier or better. But I truly believe that our Plant Strong food line is, is the most convenient, nutritious, and delicious food on the planet outside of, right, eating food, food as you described, eating those apples or those oranges or sweet potatoes or whatever. So if you're looking for convenient foods, we have a line of chilies and stews that is incredible. I mean, we have a ch chunky chipotle. We have a split pea. We have a uh, a spicy Cajun jambalaya. We have 10. And they're available at all the Whole Foods stores across the country. If you go to plantstrongfoods.com, there's a store locator. And you know we are in 4,000 different stores across the country with our chilies and stews and our, and our veggie broths. Mm. Uh, and our veggie broths don't have any added sodium. The only sodium that's in them is naturally occurring. That's in the, the vegetables. Uh, so super, super proud of those. We've got a line of four different cereals. They're called Rips Big Bowl cereals, right? Obviously. And so I'm a big fan of that. Uh, we have four different granolas that are all no, really no added oils, no refined sugars, and it's almost impossible to find that in a granola. Oh, it, it, it's impossible. And let me just step in here since maybe you don't want to brag too much about your own stuff. I, I want to just put in a word for the granola because yeah. you know how certain foods have memories. And I kind of came of age in the early 70s with the hippies and all that. And I remember the day I ate granola for the first time. But this was the kind of granola that was so full of fat and sugar that you could have been eating frosted flakes for six weeks and not have harmed yourself as much as in that bowl of granola. Right. But it had this kind of allure to it. It was like, this is how we're going to have peace on earth and everything. We're just all going to eat granola. And I ate a lot of it. That was, you know, back in the days when I was struggling with obesity and, and uh, compulsive eating and other things. And I just determined when that was over, well, this is out of your life. This is like an alcoholic that's just not going to drink alcohol ever again because you can't touch that stuff. 
Well, then along come Rips granolas. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you've really done something amazing. And something that I came upon several years ago, I knew a couple of guys here in New York City who were putting together a food line that was whole food, plant-based, you know, chapter and verse. And it seemed that the the sweeter things, the things with some dried fruit in that were so good. And the savory things, it's like, oh, all those big food companies aren't really trying to kill us. They put in that salt and fat so that it won't taste like cardboard. But you have managed to break the cardboard curse (laughs) without that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool. Well, that's that's a very nice uh, testimony from you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we've you know we've got an apple pie, uh, all American apple pie flavor. We have a chocolate. We have a mixed berry crumble, and um, and then we have a uh, a cinnamon oat or a uh, raisin oatmeal cookie that Ooh. is just really really nice. We also have. I'm just going to go down the list because we we have 13 categories we're in right now. We've got teas. These are these are grown from small farmers in Sri Lanka. And our teas are probably the cleanest teas in existence. And for example, we have a raspberry hibiscus and the only ingredients are raspberries and hibiscus. No. Yeah, truly. They'll let you call it raspberry hibiscus and not put anything in it but that? Yes, yes, yes. Um, But we've got seven different varieties. We have hot and we have cold. We've got, um, we just launched about a month ago, Victoria, two varieties of a cornbread and muffin mix. One's a gluten-free and the other one's not gluten-free and they're just stupendous. We have what I believe is probably the best pancake and waffle mixes uh, in a commercialized pancake and waffle with literally nothing that you don't want to be eating. Uh, we have a sweet potato and ancient grain. We have a seven grain and we have a homestyle gluten-free. So, so many gluten-free people have been asking us forever to make gluten-free stuff. And so we're we're obliging them. Uh, with that. We just launched uh, three weeks ago, a simmer sauce. It's a secret sauce and it's a dry packet. You add a cup of water and then you can add it to salad, like a salad dressing. You can use it as a marinade for tofus and tempehs. You can thicken it up by not adding as much water and using it as a dipping sauce for spring rolls or vegetables. And it's a Thai, it's a, uh, it's a curry peanut. That's the flavor profile of it. So that's wonderful. In about a month, we're coming out with oat skillet burgers, three varieties. And uh, and then in February, we're launching something brand spanking new. It's going to be in Whole Food Market stores across the country. I can't say what it is, but it's super exciting. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Maybe you'll call in in February and uh, give us a shout out about that. I would love to do that. Okay, that will be fun because I always love new things. This is very cool. You are such a renaissance person. You've got all these things going on, but all focused on this one goal. Let's make people healthy. Let's change the world. So Mm. let's just ponder that for a moment. Okay, let's. (laughs) Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, 
a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Hey, we are back with none other than Rip Esselstyn, Plant Strong all over the place. And if you want to find out more about what he is up to these days, you can visit plantstrong.com. And I just want to make a couple of announcements right now about what's going on in the world of Main Street Vegan. The Main Street Vegan Salon has launched. I don't know if we're going to call it Salon or Salon. It is on Unchained TV, a Jane Velez Mitchell's wonderful station that has all to do about animal issues. So this is a talk show. I seem to have got myself a whole bunch of doctors right up front. So you're going to be hearing from Dr. Milton Mills, Dr. Michael Clapper, Dr. Michael Greger, and we're going to throw in some other people that didn't go to medical school too. So you can get Unchained TV either by downloading online or by getting the app and then you can have Unchained TV with you wherever you go and uh, do check out the Main Street Vegan Salon and then if you join the um, Main Street Vegan uh, listeners group, viewers group, we're changing it to something now that we're both listening and viewing. Anyway, it's Main Street Vegan on Facebook, you can tell us who you want to have. And Rip, when you come to New York City, come to the Salon. You could even maybe bring some granola. And then the other announcement that I want to make for anybody that writes to me and you get an automatic responder. I've had so many people saying, what, what? I don't understand this. All it means is that I am in book mode. And Rip, you said earlier, I think your first book took you two and a half years my publisher is giving me two and a half months. So I did have a very detailed proposal, thank goodness, because I'm literally in the writer's cave. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm here. I'm just writing. And my my interesting deadline is January 6th, which is one of my favorites because I love it that they call a day epiphany. And after that, I'll be back in the real world. So if anybody wants to send me some good writer energy, I'll take it. And now we are back with the wonderful Rip Esselstyn energy. The other part of you, I think, Rip, that people think about, yeah, he's got this great food and he eats really healthy and he's done all these amazing things for firefighters and everybody else, but you are also an athlete and you've been an athlete since your youth. So I want to ask you a couple of things about that. Certainly, I want to hear about this new sport you're into at this point. But also, it seems like there are two kinds of people in the world, the athletes and the others, and coming from the realm of the others, I wonder sometimes if you athletes are just different people. You said earlier, I love working out. I mean, I work out because I would like to live a long time. I don't love it, but you love it. So tell us a little bit about that. Well... I've always loved pushing myself and, 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 and trying to improve. And so, you know, I was a swimmer growing up. I swam at the university of Texas at Austin. And then I took my prowess as a swimmer and kind of an athlete. And I became a professional triathlete for 
over a decade. And then I can continue to compete at a world-class level for another 10 years as I, when I was also a firefighter. I think there's also a bit of a, uh, an addiction that also is, is occurring there with getting those endorphins flowing and going out and, you know, whether it's swimming, biking and running, getting the heart rate elevated, uh, getting the blood circulating through the, you know, 65,000 miles of vessels that we have and the, a little mini rebirth that to me happens, mm-hmm. uh, every time I get a nice workout in, but I, I wouldn't say that I, I love it anymore. I, I almost more, it's more like I need it, right. It's, it's my way of, um, of decompressing, of staying grounded. And I find that there's so many stressors that I have in my life right now, that it's very important for me to get in at my workout every day. And I usually start and it's, it's my accountability workout. It's a group of, of guys that I've been swimming with for almost 20 years. And we meet every morning at this master swim program from seven to 8 AM. And so that's just been a beautiful, a beautiful, a beautiful glue for me for literally over 20 years. What I love Victoria is the socialization that occurs in something like pickleball, right? So that's my, that's my new passion and my new love is pickleball. And I get so excited about pickleball that when I go to bed at night, if I'm playing pickleball the next day, I am excited to wake up to, to play pickleball. I mean, and I haven't had that kind of excitement in a, in a while around a, a sport. And there's just something about the socialization of the sport, the movement, always trying to constantly improve. You know, I've got a ping pong and a tennis background. So pickleball is kind of the perfect blend of both of those. But it, there's a reason why it's the fastest growing sport in North America. And that's because anybody i could take anybody and we could be playing pickleball in 10 minutes doubles and have a blast an absolute blast so tennis courts are being replaced with pickleball courts and your diehard tennis players can't stand it but if they would just try it just try it. it's kind of like green eggs and ham right uh, if you would just try it, you'd realize that you're you're being a little bit too arrogant and aloof because I was there. I was there and uh, pick a ball is where it's at. That is so interesting because I've wondered about it. I used to play tennis and it's like, there's tennis. What What is this thing? But I can see that it's it's not as strenuous. It's certainly friendlier for older people or people who have been injured. But there are young people, you know, going to pickleball in droves. It's it's a phenomenon. So who do you play with? It is a phenomenon. And I'm going to tell you who I play with. But in just a second, because you said something that I need to correct. Okay. You're right. Doubles is you don't have to exert yourself that much. It's much easier on inflamed knees and joints and hips if you're older and you have those issues. But if you want the best workout ever, play singles pickleball because that requires uh-huh. running and more movement than singles in tennis. And really? The ball, yeah, the ball isn't as, as heavy. The court is, because it's much smaller, you have to move much faster. You don't have as much time to react. Oh, and, interesting. Um, I've had some of my most incredible workouts playing singles pickleball against 22 year olds so my pickleball partners victoria uh, i just mentioned one of them plant-based addict adam said that's one of his new addictions is is pickleball 
And then also uh, the former CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, John Mackey. So Adam, John, and I, we play together every Sunday morning. We have a little uh, a little game that we get together and play in. So that's fun. And then John Mackey and I, John's 70 now. He and I are playing in a, we're in this men's league and we're playing in a tournament together uh, in just about two weeks. Hmm. Well, this is really interesting to me because I always thought that the athletes who were, of course, different from me, didn't need anybody to meet them at the swimming pool. I thought they just showed up at dawn in the cold because they like that sort of thing. But what you're telling me is that even athletes are human and we all need some human support. It helps a lot. I think that that is, we, again, we call it our accountability, <laughs> our accountability, like time slot. And, you know, Vic, Victoria, there was a time period there where I was so driven. I was so motivated that, yeah, I would get up. It didn't matter what time it was. And I work out by myself. But for the most part, I don't know, A, how healthy that is and B, how sustainable it is. Mm-hmm. So for me, like I said, it's been over 20 years now. I've got a master's group. I love these 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 guys and gals that uh, that I swim with. I love the coaches that are on deck giving us the workouts. It's an outdoor pool. I also love being outdoors. Like this morning, it was 37 degrees on deck. Mm. But the pool temperature is 81. So the hardest part is just getting from the locker room <laughs> and then jumping into the water. If Once you've done that, you, you've got it made. Yeah. I used to swim back in Kansas City. I would swim at a hotel where it was an indoor outdoor pool and you could go through this little tunnel and you were outdoors. And and when it was snowing, I mean, it was heated. So it wasn't cold. It was just wonderful. Except if you were on your back, there's snow, you know, hitting you on your face. Now I've got to tell you this story because I can't help myself. And one morning I was leaving that hotel And there was Muhammad Ali. And a couple of weeks before that, I had been to this fast to draw attention to world hunger. So seven day fast with Dick Gregory and 120 other people in Ralph Abernathy's church basement in Atlanta. And to keep us from going stir crazy, because we were only drinking water, he had these celebrities coming in on, on conference calls to keep us pumped up. And one of them was Muhammad Ali. So I got my nerve up in the hotel because, you know, when you've been swimming in the snow, it makes you feel like you can do anything. And I said, we so appreciated that you you talked with us. You were just really our hero that week. And he said, no, you guys were the heroes. I should have been there fasting. That was the most incredible experience because, you know, I, I knew he had a lot of confidence <laughs> and all that, but he was so humble in in that um meeting that day so what a human human you know and the best people are the human people so as you go out into the world doing all these things and i know you've got stuff going on online and you've got the podcast weekly for how long now well i've been doing it now since um i think i started in february of 2019 so it's been you know five years five plus years i think i'm on episode 230 ish um, that's a lot. Yeah. So, so as you do all these things, number one, tell us what we should know about. And then number two, tell those of us who are also trying to get the word out about this, your best tip for how to get it done. 
Well, we always have a retreat. We have two a year. One's in Sedona, Arizona, and that's always in October. It's magical. You know, it's in the Red Rock Mountains. Uh, it's off a dirt road that you have to go up 10 miles. It is so austere and it is the perfect location for these kind of transformational results. So we have that every October. And then in April, we have our other retreat on the East Coast, and that's in Black Mountain, North Carolina. It's outside of Asheville. And that is in stark contrast to Sedona. This is in the lush, green, Verde Mountains of the uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains. There's There's two different streams, almost rivers, they kind of bifurcate through the property. And so it doesn't matter where you are, you can always hear the water. It's literally on the side of a mountain. And it's just, so I love them both dearly. And we typically have 80 to 95 people attend each one. These are my two favorite times of the year because myself and 13 other team members, Plant Strong team members, we guide this group of, you know, 80 to 95 people from soup to nuts through the lifestyle. And we start with yoga and breath work and hiking and functional uh, movement. You get to take your pick. And then we do world-class lectures in the morning. And then a little bit in the afternoon, we have bountiful buffets of these plant strong meals. So you get to see exactly how we do it and how you can do it when you go home. And then at night, we always have these bonding events like bonfires or stargazing activities or talent show night, movie night. Anyway, so it's a blast. Oh, it sounds like camp. I love it already. It it is. You know what it is? It is. It's like camp in Victoria. Here's the thing. People go because they want to learn how to eat this way. And what they realize is that they realize how to laugh and play and find, I think, their, that that inner happiness in themselves that somehow got clouded over over the last 20 years of being an adult. And they get to break free from that. And from that, they not only make these wonderful decisions about what they want to do with their health, but also, am I in a relationship that I'm, a, I'm a, that I'm happy with? Am I in a job that gives me what I'm looking for? And so it ends up, being so much more than just the food at the end of the day. And and you reminded me when you mentioned the yoga, I didn't tell the name of the book that I'm working on. It's you called did. Age Age Like a Yogi, A Heavenly Path to a Dazzling Third Act. Oh. So if you happen to be sending me some of those good book writing vibes, that's, uh, that's the book you're sending for. So the other question, Rip, and yeah. this has just gone so fast. This has been such a delight. What's your very best tip for getting the word out. I think it's really easy, Victoria. And that is, you just have to find the thing that is true and passionate within yourself and then just go deep and then share it in a way that is authentic and uh, and not smarmy. Um, and then I think that doors will open up, opportunities will present present themselves and again, I'm going to come back to Adam Sud, the plant-based addict who you need to have on your show. Absolutely. And Adam, literally, when I met him in 2010, I was like, I've never met an individual that's this much of a mess. 
literally to see what he has been able to do with his life, you know, and what he's been able to do with, with introducing plant-based nutrition into rehab centers across the country. And he's found this niche that is perfect for him. It's, it, it is so uh, authentic to him and his mission. And he is so incredibly articulate and he got down to 145, 150 pounds from 340. And then he decided he wanted to get strong. And so he started to lift weights. And now he's like buff, like a bodybuilder. And I've seen him just recreate and make of himself kind of whatever he puts his mind to. And it has given me this confidence and this, this reassurance that nobody is ever too far gone and anything is possible from anyone. You just have to devote yourself to whatever it is that you like is meaningful and you can really wake up being excited about. Wow. That is so cool. And I think there's just this aspirational part of it too. You know, that anybody that meets him, I mean, obviously he's impressed the heck out of you and you're not even an addict although maybe an exercise addict, you said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's, that's really, that's beautiful. So everybody, let's all find our niche and change the world. Thank you so much, Rip, for, for your time, for your wisdom, for your energy, uh, everybody, you can find him at plantstrong.com and we'll put his social media and all of that in our show notes at mainstreetvegan.com. And in the meantime, let's just go out and make main street vegan. Thanks for listening. Find out more about today's episode at MainStreetVegan.com, where you can also learn how to take your vegan or plant-based outreach to the professional level through Main Street Vegan Academy. And join our inner circle at the Main Street Vegan Podcast Listeners Group on Facebook. See you next time. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Karen Dendy-Smith, and Meredith Tollison. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.